Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. About four months ago, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, go to the hospital and um, get things removed that didn't need to be there. Uh, those things were there. I, they, my, my arteries were a little blocked with material that was not supposed to be in there. And uh, they opened me up, pulled it all back, went to the little place with this. Wayne knows all about what I'm speaking of here. Opened it up, came to the little places where things were blocked up and just bypassed them, just went around them, just put a whole new thing there. I had to ask myself a question. How did those things get there? I didn't put them there. And the truth was, yes, I did. I put them all there over years of time, over eating things that I shouldn't have eaten. Today, I want to share with you, you are what you eat. The things that you eat are going to get deposited in you, and you make use of them. God has set it up that way, and I want to explain that to you. First of all, because I want you to magnify the Lord with me, will you? To magnify the Lord means that you're going to take a closer look. It doesn't mean you're going to make things bigger. Uh, you, you can't make God bigger, but you sure can stop and take a closer look. So what I'm going to ask you to do is magnify the Lord with me, would you? Let us exalt his name together, says Psalm 34. So as we're doing that, I want to take you all the way back to before creation. So I'm going to go back here. I'll set the, the platform up as a timeline again. Here's where creation is, about where that microphone thing is that used to be there. If it's there, there it's there. All right. From there, all the way through time, this is where Christ comes in. And then over here, the end of time back over here. So that means that whatever is the other side of creation, since he said in the beginning, since he's creating time back here, something was going on back here. What was going on back here? For the Father, the Son, the Spirit dwelt together back here. I don't want to explain to you, there's a plan going on back here. The, the plan is of Yahweh Yira. That, that, see that Jehovah Jireh up there, what we call Jehovah Jireh? Well, that, that name of the Lord is Yahweh Yira, and it means provider. Pro means to look ahead, or to, uh, ahead. Video means to see something. So a provider looks ahead to what the situation is going to be and makes provision. That's called providence. He's taking care of everything. He looked ahead, and he's taking care of it all. So I want you to know that everything we're going to talk about here, he did back here. Before there was time. Back when it's just Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're planning this whole thing. They're talking about this whole thing. So I'm going to tell you what happens when he does create this. So think with me just for a moment. He creates a powerful packing system. Here he says on these days of creation, what he does, he, he, he calls for light, and light shows up. Now, why is light so important? Because light has got a lot of life in it. Jesus was the light of the world. He said he is the life. That's, uh, that's to say that when light is present, life comes forth. As a matter of fact, that light was so important that it's going to be 
essential for everything that's about to happen. And he's going to create it in the presence of water, in the presence of air. All of those things are going to take place right there. And then he's going to start this marvelous plan of unfolding everything that he had done back here, day at a time. Boom, this is what I'm going to do here. This is what I'm going to do here. And one day he brings in, he just simply says, let the vegetation come forth. The vegetation, and when you think of it, you just think, no, that's plants. Yeah, that's, do you know what's in a plant? Do you know what's in a plant? Get this. We will let a cow eat a bunch of stuff on that, the plants out there, and then we'll eat the cow and derive benefit from that cow, or lambs if you're for her. There's a process going on there. There is something in that grass that's essential to that cow. And here's what I found out. There was something essential in every plant I ate or didn't eat that my body was going to make use of. Every apple was packed with a whole bunch of stuff. It, it didn't just have a sweet taste to it. No, inside that apple were all kinds of chemicals that this body could make use of. Then there were purple ones and, and, and other colors, one, red ones and things like that, that had antioxidants in them that, that made this stuff work better. And then there were other plants and animals that had inside them amino acids. My whole body is built off amino acids. He is packing in that little pea that you eat a delightful energy packet. For those of you who don't eat peas, learn. You want to have open-heart surgery? Stop eating your peas. Here's the deal. All those things are with energy. They're packed with life-building goodness. And he thought that back here. <laughs> and he, he says it, and it's packed with energy. And it's not just one thing he's creating. How many fruits did he create that day? How many nuts did he create that day besides this one? How many nuts did he create? There were nuts everywhere. There are seeds everywhere. There's vegetation everywhere. And he takes delight in us being able to come to each one of those. Mmm, oh, that's got a good taste to it. Yeah, yeah. Packed with energy. Mmm, broccoli. Mmm, who did that? Maybe broccoli's a part of the curse, huh? No, maybe not. No, no. Broccoli's good for you because there's good stuff in all of those foods that are just like that. You understand where we're coming from? God packed that all in there. And he gave your body in such a way that it interprets all that and takes what it wants and builds a body from it. Amazing. Magnify the Lord with me, would you? Here's what I'm saying to you. The next time you look at your plate, stop looking at it with your tongue and look at it with your eye and your brain. Are you about to eat something that's going to hurt you or help you? Think your way through that before you do. Look at that plate. Is it colorful enough for you to eat? Because, kids, you are what you eat. Everybody with me? You are what you eat. And you, you are made to take in all those amino acids, all those different trace minerals, and they don't come in everything. They, they're not found equally in everything, so you're going to have to eat a variety of stuff 
to be able to get it. That means veggies, Dad. You've got to eat your veggies. All that stuff, because you are what you eat. Everybody with me? God did that. As a matter of fact, it's so important that he make that. He made us so that the power of change is in our life. So much so, some of the early doctors could recognize this. Food is your medicine, and medicine is your food. That there are things in medicines that will help us get well over maladies. There are things that are in our food that are medicinal, and they were made to be taken in. It's only as we got enlightened and decided we could figure out a better way to make food that we started having diseases that are deadly. You are what you eat. If you're going to eat good food, then you've got a good chance at a wholesome living. But if you're going to eat high-processed food and junk, then you're going to pay for it. It may not be right away. It may take time. But it is painful. It does happen. Let me just give you a brief history of food's importance in the Bible. First of all, he makes that. He even makes a comment that these plants that I'm making here, they'll be for food for you. And he says to the animals, these plants I'm making here, they're food for you. So he's making food one of the first items that's on here. Why? He wants to sustain life. The food sustains life for us, okay? So he made it there in the first place. Number two, it was the vehicle through which both life and death would come. Eating. You're either going to eat from the tree of life and live, or you're going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and die. You are what you eat. It was the daily reminder of the need for repentance. After the fall, every time that we ate something, we were supposed to look at that and say, I had to dig this out of the ground, man. I had to work hard to get this. Why do I have to work hard? Oh, I remember. That was my sin. So it gives us not only a chance, as I look at that plate, not only a chance to thank God for this life-giving stuff he's got on that plate, but I also get to be a, a reminder that sin brought me to here, and I not only thank God for that which is going to give me life, but I'm going to thank God for that which is going to give me eternal life, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trapped in that curse anymore. I am set free from that curse through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a daily reminder of the need for repentance. Every time you have a meal, eat that meal with thanksgiving. Eat that meal looking at it and say, what's going to energize me on this plate today? Eat that meal looking at it saying, Jesus Christ died for me, gave a life for me, and raised me again from the dead. I am grateful for this meal. It's the vehicle through which a prophecy came. Three men came to see old Abraham one day. And as they came to Abraham, Abraham says, stop, stop, stop. Come in with me and have a meal. Listen, that's, that's a sign of blessing and fellowship. You're, you're, you're offering hospitality. So Abraham offers hospitality. The three men come in, they sit down, and they eat a meal with him, and then they tell him he's going to have a baby. They tell him Sodom and Gomorrah are about to be in big trouble. They, through that meal time, made a relationship that allowed them to speak that way. They weren't just passing strangers now. They became friends of Abraham. Food. Food is the, 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 the vehicle through which the blessing was passed. How was it that Isaac was going to pass the blessing on to one of his two sons? 
through a meal. He calls Esau when he can't see very well. He says, Esau, come in here a minute. Go out and get me some of that food. You know what I'm talking about. The meat that tastes so good, that's good for my, I want you to bring that to me. Cook it up the way you cook it up. I want, I want to smell outdoors with you. I want to have it all. Bring it in. And it's Jacob who gets to do it. And that, through that meal, a blessing was passed on. All right? How important was eating? How about a sustenance in the wilderness journey? Every time you think of manna, let it be thinking that's a meal. He was providing a meal for them. It's sustenance while they're on the journey. They're, they're in the wilderness, and they don't have adequate food around. But he's providing something in a power-packed biscuit. One of the first energy bars, I think. But they, there he was eating that power-packed thing. It was the elements of God's blessing in the promised land. Listen, they were eating manna every day, 40 years, two times a day. And when they came into the promised land, manna stopped and grain started. Mead started. A meal, that was the blessing of the providence that God gave them in that promised land. It was an important meal to them. It was the work and labor of the promised land. Consider this. They were supposed to do farming work for what? For their food. It's going to all be about food and meals. You are what you eat, friends. It's the sign of fellowship among friends and strangers. It became the sign of hospitality. That if you really wanted to have good time with people, have them stop in and have a dinner with you. You know, if there's anything I'd like to suggest for Edgemont folks right now, this year, knowing that we're closer and closer to that day, we ought to spend more time with each other eating meals. Invite each other over. Have meals together. And have those meals centered around Christ. Have them centered around the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, discussions about Christ, and have food together. If, it, if it's going out it's easier, make sure you're eating good stuff when you go out, but go out and eat together. Anyway, it's a sign of fellowship among friends and strangers. It was the miraculous provision used as a teaching tool. Jesus is look, talking to the disciples, and he's asking the disciples, guys, what are you going to do with all these people? I don't know. How are we going to feed him? I don't know. Why would Jesus even be wondering about how you're going to feed him? Because Jesus has things to teach them. You see, Jesus is the same bread that fed them here in the wilderness. He is the bread of life. He's the one that fed them. And now here he is back on the earth again, and he's asking them, how are we going to feed him? It is the Lord Jesus Christ that out of his hands brings food for his concern for them. He loves the people, and he's giving them food. What happens when you eat a meal together with somebody, according to the studies that I've read so far, that released in you when there is laughter and conversation at that table are endorphins, other hormones that make you feel good toward each other, oxytocin's released, and you feel good with each other about that. You love each other. You're having good fellowship. And they have found that when people eat meals with other people, when, when they're doing it with Thanksgiving and doing it, that they live longer. They actually do better. They are healthier people because they spent that time with them. God wanted us to have meals together. That's part of, uh, part of what it is. That's why it's so important for families to have their meals together. 
where you can actually sit down, look at each other, laugh, and talk. Now, if you're going to sit there and argue with each other, your food isn't going to digest well. You're going to have a real difficulty with things. But getting along with one another and laughing and having a good time, do you realize that's why the Sabbath meal was so important on Friday night? They had that Sabbath meal together, and it was a time where they brought all the joy of that week into there. They were to have that joyful time on that Sabbath. It was a shared opportunity in one salvation. Here's Zacchaeus, one of my heroes. Not a great tall guy, just a guy who's in a tree. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. You're about to feed me tonight. You and I are going to have a dinner together, sir. And by the time Zacchaeus is done with that, he steps out and salvation has come to that man's house through a meal, through a shared time. You see, that builds relationships with people. When you eat a shared meal together, that builds relationships with people. Not only that, it was used as a great leveler among divided people. Communion. (laughs) Communion. A simple meal. But who got to eat that communion? Do you realize when you came to the communion table, everybody was equal? There are slaves eating at that table the same as their masters. You see, the slaves were just as saved as their masters were. There were men and women eating at that table together. There were, there were people who came from all kinds of backgrounds eating meals together because it was their common meal that they got to have together. Ecclesiastes, when the Solomon is talking about all the adventures he took, he pursued all these dead-end roads, he said this, there's a time for everything, and here's the thing I see as a gift from God, to be able to do your day's labor and to come home and sit down with your family and enjoy that meal together. He said, that's the gift of God. You know, guys, we are such a high-producing people, feeling like we've got to produce, 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 produce all the time, that it takes a whole lot for us to stop, relax, and have an enjoyable meal together. Solomon said, that's the gift of God. If you're at that point where you're getting to have a meal together with your spouse, with your family, you're, you have a gift of God. Think, if, you, if you can't think of it, stop right there and say, thank you for this gift to get to sit down together. I love being with my wife. I love being with my husband. I love, being with, I love my family sitting around here. I love my friends get to be with me. It's the gift of God. There's a hormonal release that comes from that. It was a sign of blessed fellowship. Think with me this. God chose a meal as a remembrance of the exodus into his freedom and blessing. He gave them the Passover. He could have done a lot of of things, but what did he use? A simple meal, bread and the lamb. That simple meal that they got to eat together would be the remembrance from there on. They'd eat that together, and they'd remember we were delivered from its bondage and slavery. It was a meal that he chose to do that around, kids. Meals are important. Why? Because you are what you eat. Going further with you. Not only was it there, but Jesus chose a meal to be the sign of our blessed fellowship with Him and one another. 
He's going to take that same Passover and convert it. It's going to become the Last Supper. He's going to let them know there just how important they are to him and how important he is. He is going to share with them his whole life that night, guys. He, that's the night he's going to wash their feet. That's the night he's going to share with them the, that he's going away and he's going to come back for them. That's the night he shares with them that I'm the, the vine and you're the branches. And if, as long as you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and I'll do it for you. I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. I am telling you what's going on. You are having an intimate time with me right here. And I'm wanting you to know that intimate time is going to be repeated over and over again. And I want you to remember it in this meal. So they would sit down and they would have that meal together. As a matter of fact, letter C, the church used that meal as a symbol of their delivery and promise of the shared eternal kingdom of God. Acts chapter 2 shares with us that um, they, they broke bread together going from house to house. That became an important part of it. They were remembering Jesus has a kingdom, the kingdom of God, and Jesus is bringing it back again. And Jesus' kingdom is about this meal we're going to get to have together here. And we're remembering what Jesus did together. So every communion is supposed to be exactly that, remembering that Jesus has a kingdom, that we're a part of it, and that he's coming back for us. It was so important that it became the primary means of sharing with one another and creating community. What they started doing then, that breaking bread going from house to house, is the way that they shared who Jesus Christ was. It became, and through that relationship that's founded a meal together, it became the way in which they shared the good news of the kingdom. They took people who didn't know what that story was, and they broke bread with them, had a meal with them, and in that meal, they would share with them who Jesus is and what the kingdom is about. And thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ because of that sharing that was going on through a meal together. Letter E. It is that meal that the Lord and his bride will share together to enter the eternal kingdom of God. He invites us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Big meal. All of that over food, kids, that started way back here. Power packing stuff in little packages that our bodies were guaranteed to take and process and live. Now I'll come to the point of the message. Let's go to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus has been talking to them. Uh, I want you to pick up with me back to verse 26, please. Jesus had just fed people. And then he, he gets back over the, the location before they do, and they rush around to see if they can catch up with him. And they do catch up with him. Here's what Jesus says when they do. Jesus answered them and said, verse 26 of 6, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Okay? Look, if somebody's going to provide meals for you, it didn't cost you anything, and you had a pretty good meal out of the deal, and he did it miraculously, you're going to follow him around. And they did. And when they got there, they, Jesus says, No, your only reason for doing that is because you're hungry. You want to see me do that again. You want me to feed you again. And I'm telling you, stop laboring for that food alone. You're making a big mistake. 
So I think you're starting to see you are what you eat. Here we go. He said, Jesus is saying to him here, watch this. Verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So Jesus is the one who has this food that endures for everlasting life. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Here's what Jesus says. This is the work of God that you what? Believe in him whom he sent. You got to trust him. That's not just believing that he's there. It's trusting him. All right, it goes on further. Verse 30, therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they, they got manna. What can you do? Do us a trick. Do us something here that makes us understand that you really are who you say you are. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So you're missing it. You, you, you're, you thought Moses did that. Moses did not. My father gave that. I am that bread. Now here I am, and you want me to do a Moses trick. You were wrong about your presupposition. It wasn't a Moses trick. It's a father thing. This is what the father does, and the father has given me to you. I am that bread. All right, let's go further. <clears throat> For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always, still not grasping what he's saying. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me will by no means be cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So he's telling me this. Number one, I am the Son of God. I have come because the Father sent me. That is the gift of the bread of life. My Father sent me. I am that one. Going on. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. So you believe in him, that believe that God sent him. That's one of the things he's saying. Now he's getting a little deeper. He's going on saying that if you see me, uh, where, uh, let me get that again, um, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Now he's getting more specific. If you see me and believe me, you have everlasting life. Let me go on with you again. In number 41, the Jews then complained about him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then he says that I've come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, now notice this, Jesus is talking to them first of all about his person, who he is. Now kids, here's the deal. The work of Jesus without the person of Jesus isn't Christ's work. He has to be the person that he is or the work that he does doesn't accomplish it. He's not just simply any other Jewish man. He is the Son of God. He is God come in the flesh, and that's what makes his work important. So if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, and that he shed his blood to pay for your sin. Everybody follow that? 
That's the two things you got to believe. Now watch as we go through this. <clears throat> Jesus said in verse 43, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up the last day. It is written in the prophets, for they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned of the Father comes to me. So let's tell me something else. You have to hear and learn from the Father. So if the Father is telling you that Jesus is the one to follow, that's what you should listen to. You'll be learning from him. Going on. Not, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Wait a minute. Now he's taking it a little bit deeper. You're, you're seeing him. You're believing him. Now eating him. Let me go on further. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats the bread, this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is this loaf right here or this loaf right here is what? My flesh. My flesh. He, he's taking this away from there being a, an object you're supposed to pick up because they're still thinking there's a loaf of bread someplace that he's got that's got some magic ingredient in it, which like the tree of life, once you eat that, you'll have everlasting life. Jesus said, no, you're still missing it. It's not outside of me. It is me. The bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Then the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves. You see the, the progress of what he's tried to do? He's taken from the bread they ate over on the other side of the river. Now they're coming down here and they're coming down. Now he's telling them the truth. It's me. It's me. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus then said, and really takes them deep now, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. He says that his blood is drink. He says that his flesh is food. His flesh is his person. That's who this is. In order for you to be saved, to have everlasting life, you must believe in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is God come in the flesh. In order for, and that's eating his flesh. In order for you to have everlasting life, you have to also drink his blood. And drinking his blood, there can only be one way you could drink that blood, if it's, and that's if it's not in the container anymore. It's in a sealed container, just like yours is right now. When that container's opened up, it's, it's shed. It's poured out. The only way you could take the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is if he poured it out in order to be received. That is his work. With his life, he's paying for your life. So you believe in the person. You eat his flesh. You believe in his blood, his work. You're drinking his blood. 
That's what this is saying to us. That's how close you have to go. In the same way that you take this food that the Father has given us, and you're going to eat that food. I know that in just a few minutes here, we're going to fill our plates and have a joyful time eating that food, right? In the same intensity that you do that two, three, four times a day, plus snacks, he's saying, feed on me. We'll even say it's something like this. Um, I heard somebody saying the other day, uh, you know, I just love Band of Brothers. I just love that movie, The Band of Brothers. I love that whole series. I went binge-watching. Binge-watching? What in the world is a binge-watching? That means I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep watching and keep watching and keep watching till the end of it. Edgemont, let's binge on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's make it so we know this. I'm going to eat him for breakfast. I'm going to eat him at snack. I'm going to eat him when I walk that snack off. I'm going to eat at lunchtime. I'm going to devour the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to be in my mind. He's going to be in my head. He's going to be in my heart because he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with that in mind, would you come to this communion table with me? That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us to, guys, that it's, it's not just an object. You follow me? It's not just a, a bread and cup that we're going to look at here. No, no, it's the thought. When we eat this bread, we're going to remember that he is God come in the flesh. That's what's significant about it. He's not like any other human being, not like anybody else. He is God come in the flesh. And because he's God come in the flesh, that cup that we're about to drink means that he shed his blood to pay for us, to pay for every single one of us. So as we take it, let's be those people who devour the Lord Jesus Christ, his person and his work. Father, thank you so much for that which speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the goodness of who he is and what he's done. As just now, Father, you'd bless this which speaks of the, the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We in this room acknowledge that Jesus is God come in the flesh. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. He's coming again. We acknowledge that he is the perfect one. And by this blood, Father, we acknowledge when we drink this cup, we're acknowledging that his blood was sufficient to pay for our lives, not just for the events of those lives, not just for the things that we've done, not just for the sorrows we felt, nor the angers that we have felt, nor the sins we have committed, but for our very lives itself, for the things that cause us to do those things, for the bad motives, the bad heart. Thank you that Christ died for us. And I want to thank you that Christ has risen for us to give us brand new life. Thank you for what you're going to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch.org all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.